0: Ian, Jamie it's I'm going, oh, you're going. Ian? no no yeah. no no. you first no you first honestly honestly you first um no okay no, me no first? you, Great. No, okay, you first you. Oh, no oh, you first you. okay no you first no oh, okay I, ins- me first? I insist you. oh you insist. I insist you insist well I, I insist I ins- that you stop insisting and let me go first thank you okay so we have got episode 100 coming up I mean I can't believe it a hundred times you have listened to me witter on well actually I've not been every hundred um. Ones. Anyway, a lot of times you've had me witter on. So I thought we could do uh a episode one hundred special witterathon
1: A Witterathon. Yes. To more of your wittering Yeah. Less. You.
0: You just. You just let me do the whole podcast, and you just sit there. You have some snacks. You have a, a beverage, your
1: choice, and you let it. You know. You let. You let things run their course. I mean, I'm not. Adverse to having you know a bit of a break from editing the podcast and you know doing all the behind the scenes work, you know, yeah, yeah, I could, I, I could see that, but is is it good podcast though? That's no,
0: that's that's the issue. That that is that is not. Um, Also, I'm going to put this at the top. Uh, I was informed by my mother that she started listening to this every now and again. So if you're listening, hi mum. Hello, Jamie's mum. I hope you're following some of the news about
1: tabletop games because do you know what? Sometimes I'm not. And there's going to be an awful lot of it in this cast. And I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams. And this is Brainwaves episode 97, bringing you the best
0: in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 2nd of May, 2022. Stone Meyer's wine tastes sour. Wizards of the Coast goes direct with its future plans. And hail to the chief as Gamma elects a new president and board. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves.
1: Stilmar Games recently announced a new cooperative expansion to the vicarious vine-hit viticulture called Viticulture World. Can you tell Jamie wrote that bit? In this expansion, there are various packs that take you to different areas of the world. In said packs, players can ally with historical figures that were influential in bringing wine to those particular global regions. One of these packs was for South America, and the choices of figures included left a lot to be desired. The issues with this were first brought to our attention by a video from Amy and Maggie on their YouTube channel, Thinker Themer. That video is entitled, Why We Can't Review Viticulture World Yet. In the South American part of the game, two of the people you can ally with are the conquistadors Cortez and Pizarro. These are some of the worst people in this period of history, even for conquistadors, a period renowned for its exploitation of indigenous people for the benefits of the white man. Maggie is originally from Venezuela, and was understandably upset to see two of the worst people from her country's history being included in the game, and more than that, that you were asked to ally with them. The video they put out explaining the issue is a hard watch, I urge you to do so as they can explain very eloquently what the problems are. Stonemaier Games and Jamie Stegmaier, the head of Stonemaier Games specifically, were quick to respond to the issues. In the video, Maggie and Amy explained that they reached out to Jamie about the problem, had a talk with him over Zoom, and Jamie then went about sorting the problem. Stonemaier had employed Kate Edwards of Geography as a cultural consultant. From the blog post where Jamie explains the situation, he says that her recommendation was Be careful to not paint Cortez slash Pizarro in too positive of light. As someone who brought wine grapes to the Western Hemisphere, if he did play an instrumental role, try to not emphasise his role too highly. Rather than changing the characters completely, Stonemeyer included a card with the following text in the pack. The impact on winemaking by the characters described in this module came at a grave cost to Indigenous peoples, and we do not honour the means or methods by which Europeans secured these lands. Jamie has now admitted that this was a mistake and has taken personal responsibility for that decision. He says in the post... I want to be unequivocally clear that I, Jamie, am solely responsible for not identifying and implementing the correct solution before we entered production for Viticulture World. Stonemaier Games will be replacing the pack for the South American region of the game. It will include six cards, two to replace those referencing Cortez, two to replace those referencing Pizarro, one card to replace the disclaimer card that will no longer be necessary, and one card explaining the mistake. The two replacement personalities are Isadora Goentia and Don Silvestro Ocagavia Arazuras. Apologies if I butchered those names. The packs will be included in all copies of Viticulture World. Maggie and Amy have said they will review Viticulture World when the pack is sent out to them. So, I think there is a lot to learn here for publishers of all sizes and for the wider gaming community. It's. Very easy to overlook theme or setting in a game that we might personally not find offensive, but for other people might be incredibly upsetting, as it was for Maggie in this case. There are lots of horrors in our history, and I think games can shine a light on those and get us to think about them. However, we should not glorify the darker parts of our past, and making these conquistadors a positive mechanical influence makes it feel like that was happening. That cultural consultants now even exist is a great thing. Fantastic. But publishers must be very careful about what they do with the resultant information, and obviously there's still some lessons to be learnt there. I applaud Jamie for correcting the mistake. It absolutely shouldn't have been made in the first place, but lessons have been learned here, and he has admitted culpability and is correcting the issue. It has been
0: a busy time for Wizards of the Coast and its owner Hasbro in the last couple of weeks. In a livestream entitled Dungeons & Dragons Direct, Wizards of the Coast told viewers what was coming up for the venerable RPG in the next few months. Among the reveal plans were the return of two much-loved settings. Now We've reported many times on the struggles between the creators of the Dragonlance setting and Wizards of the Coast. All those issues were settled last year and it seems to have allowed Wizards to proceed with a new adventure in that setting and, and a board game coming out from Rob Davio. There's been some controversy around this announcement, as a tweet from Margaret Weiss, one of the original authors of the Dragonlance books, said, Wizards of the Coast, is bringing a Dragonlance game book, and they didn't talk to me or Tracy on that. The Tracy referred to here is Tracy Hickman, the co-author of the Dragonlance books. The other setting being brought to 5th edition is Spelljammer. Ian uh, here has abs- doesn't really know much about Spelljammer. It is high fantasy uh, and high space adventure
1: yeah you're it has jo- like bo- boats in space pretty much like basically fancy yes. boats in space Spelljammer
0: yeah. is the name of like a, a legendary ship but also uh spell jamming helms are the things that you use to fly they are like the the con seat on for example in a, a starship and star trek okay um, does that make cool. sense Spelljammer has kind of been hinted at in a lot of other fifth edition uh, products for example i think it was the dungeon of the mad mage don't like this might be it i think one of the things you could find is an illithid nautiloid which is basically a, a, a an illithid spaceship that looks a bit like a an nautilus cool. um, and there's been some of the monster manuals that have come out have included monsters like the neogi which are space-faring slavers, a mixture of wolf spider and moray eel and gif, which are mix- which are basically uh, militaristic hippos with a love of gunpowder weaponry.
1: I'm sorry, militaristic hippos, sold.
0: Yep. Uh, but yeah, the release of Spelljammer has again attracted a tweet from the author of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons supplement Adventures in Space, which was the first Spelljammer supplement, uh, Jeff Grubb. In the tweet he said, Yes, Wizards of the Coast is bringing Spelljammer into 5th edition D&D. No, no one talked to me about it. I'm surprised as you are. Interesting. Other announcements from D&D Direct included them showing off more of Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, a supplement that is exclusively showing work from BIPOC creators, a new D&D starter set called Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, and the D&D movie also has its official title now, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. It'll be released in twenty twenty three. Because I can't call it Dungeons and Dragons, can they? Because it's not like it's not like there's already a film called Dungeons and Dragons out there, is there? Oh oh wait, there is. Yeah, I've got it on my shelf. I love it. It's so bad. Put your impression away. No one wants to hear it. What impression? You know what I'm talking about. I don't. Are you friend to the wizard, Ian? No. Okay. Outside the pumpkin ceremony of DD Direct. Hasbro...
1: What are you referring to? I don't know. You do that like Jeremy Irons thing every now and again with the D&D films. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Outside of the pomp...
0: Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to do it and then you, re- and you reminded me of it. I'd forgotten.
1: It's a Barbara Streisand effect but in D&D films.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Outside of the pomp
0: and ceremony of D&D direct... Hasbro's CEO Chris Cox hinted that the company was looking to take the 5th edition version of the game into other intellectual properties. There's a lot of international growth vectors we can do, Cox said. There's a lot of new exclusive content we can do. You know, we've talked a lot about universes beyond in Magic, which is this concept of thinking about Magic as a play system and bringing in outside brands or outside IP into that play system. We see potential for that with D&D as well and we think D&D Beyond could be a primary hub for that. This is also the clearest hint yet that the recent acquisition of D&D Beyond, the previously fandom-run hub for the game, will be a major part of the future development of Dungeons & Dragons. Now, Hasbro also recently announced a series of price rises across a variety of Magic the Gathering products that would take a loss from pulling operations in Russia of about $100 million dollars that factory delays and shutdowns in China will be an ongoing problem for the company. Now, it is worth pointing out that I was... I need to corroborate this again. This is why I'm letting you know. That I was told that the... I think it's the first price update in 16 years for something in the uh, Magic the Gathering stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not all Magic the Gathering products either. It's a select number of them. We'll, we'll link to the... the Announcement in the show notes. I just want to address the sort of slight controversy around Spelljammer and Dragonlance, Dragonlance. as well, the, the yes. two tweets from the the co authors. And we know that the Dragonlance sort of legal settlement was brought to a conclusion last year. That presumably did not include you are going to be included in all future products in some way or form. I have Maybe absolutely no so, idea, Ian. But otherwise, they wouldn't be saying anything. So, and I like as a important as jeff crubb is to the history of Spelljammer, i mean i don't know much about Spelljammer, but i had a little bit of read of sort of some some history of it before the cast started uh, he was the author of that original supplement are wizards really obliged to involve him in any future product that doesn't in, seem likely i think it entirely depends I, and, and I, I understand fans being annoyed that that's the case and i understand the authors being annoyed that that's not the case but wizards don't necessarily have an obligation to them i mean i'm not saying that's right but they don't necessarily have an actual legal obligation anywhere along the lines. I think
0: it entirely depends on who owns the the actual intellectual property rights if Jeff Grubb does own anything from Yeah, Adventures yeah, maybe so
1: and maybe we'll hear some more about that as they get towards the release date, maybe there will be lawsuits and that sort of thing. But in in general, I think we're we're just sort of seeing as we're talking about the next stage of Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, we've got the 50th anniversary coming up in 2024, is it? I thought no, it was next year. Anyway, next in the year? next year or two, uh, next year or two, the 50th anniversary of D and D. Wow! All there's all there's the start of rumors around sixth edition about what that's going to look like. There's obviously the recent acquisition of D and D Beyond, and I would be I would be very surprised if we don't see a new edition of D and D, the year of the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons, alongside digital implementation though we've been here before with digital implementation plans for fourth edition they never came to fruition there are all sorts of cool ideas around fourth edition and digital and that never came to be but maybe the time just wasn't right for it maybe the time is now for that implementation it's entirely possible just thinking uh when was
0: fifth edition released i think it was 2014 so it's entirely probably that's almost 10 years it's been running
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's almost time for a new edition. 2014. Quite right, Jamie. Yeah, August nineteenth,
0: 2014. There we go. Was the Play- player's release. Ah.
1: August nineteenth, 2014, was the player's handbook. Well remembered.
0: I may have had Wikipedia open, and I was pretending that I was guessing.
1: <laughs> or was I acting? <laughs> <laughs> It's like like podcasting with Toast of London. Now hang on there. We reported last year on the Game Manufacturers Association, Gamma's intention to expand its board and expand voting to those outside of game publishing. At a recent meeting, a new board was elected. The new officers are President Kylie Primus from Games Unlimited, Vice President Grace Collins from Snowbrite Studios, Secretary Jennifer Ward from Crazy Squirrel Games and Toys, Good name. And Treasurer Stephen Brussod from Funko Games. There are also six new board members that were elected in March. Those are the creator director Matt Fantastic from Forever Stoked Creatives. Media and Events Director Nicole Brady from Sahm All one word that first bit. Production director Radic Cronos from Fabria Cart. Publisher Director Frank West from the City of Games. Retail Director Jennifer Ward from Crazy Squirrel Game Store and Wholesale Director Cito Sanchez from Peach State Hobby Distribution. These nominations bring the board of directors back to full strength, with 12 members across six different sections of the tabletop industry, representing everything from publication to retail stores. We will be talking to Frank West from City of Games in our next On Stage. That is happening on the 10th of May at 8pm UK time in our Discord. Uh, This is a live chat with myself and Frank. I'll be asking Frank questions about publication distribution, his intentions for the Gamma board, various other subjects we'll cover, and you are invited to come along and ask Frank your own questions. Uh, He's a very experienced publisher now. Obviously, he's on the Gamma board as well. Yeah, he's a really interesting chap. He's had a big influence in the UK gaming scene, and that influence is only going to get bigger now that he's part of Gamma. last cast we covered the controversy surrounding the numerous mistakes that have been found in the newly released Dark Souls RPG from publisher Steamforged Games. Steamforged have now responded to the complaints and we will read from their short statement on their homepage in full. We at Steamforged Games would like to issue a sincere apology regarding the errors that have come to light in the Dark Souls role-playing game. We want to thank the community for all the feedback we have received through our customer support channels and online We are listening to your comments and recognise the importance of the issues that have arisen. We want to make it clear that we take this matter extremely seriously and therefore have decided the best course of action is to order reprints of the book, issuing replacement copies to those customers who have already bought or pre-ordered the standard edition and or collector's edition. The same applies for the PDF version we previously announced. Every customer who buys a copy of the printed rulebook will get a free PDF copy with a release date and details on how to get your copy coming soon. We ask for a little patience as we gather more detailed information regarding these reprints, the timescales involved, and how to best ensure we resolve this for each affected customer. As Since we have these details, we will release them. In the meantime, if you have any issues or questions, please contact us through our support hub, and we'll put a link to the support hub in our show notes. It's good to see them take these steps, but we you got to really ask what the process was that allowed them to get this far. As I said in the last cast, I've recently got the A-State RPG PDF, which I backed on Kickstarter, and their, me- their method of production has been to put out the PDF first, actively asking people to check for little mistakes and errors and that kind of thing, and there has been an update since they asked that about a couple of weeks ago, with some very minor corrections but good to correct those things before they go to print it engages the community no one loses out because it's digital so you haven't got a physical copy that needs replaced there's nothing needing produced and sh- shipped out it just in this day and age it just seems a much better way to put up, uh, an rpg pdf first physical book later on to some news The world of the Pokemon
0: trading card game has seen a lot of coverage from us over the last year or so, due to soaring prices, daring robberies, and odd celebrity endorsements. But let's go back to the beginning, though, and ask where Pokemon cards come from. Since 2015, now I know what you're thinking. Pokemon card games have been around a lot longer than 2015, but stay with me. Since 2015, the Pokemon company has had all its printing done by the Millennium Print Group, which is its own company. However... Pokemon Company has now bought Millennium Print Group. In a statement, they said, With this acquisition, the Pokemon Company International aims to further develop Millennium Print Group's capabilities, infrastructure, and scale to become a premier printer of trading cards, serving the broader industry. Millennium Print Group will continue to operate as a separate, autonomous organization, but will gain both investment and industry expertise from the Pokemon Company International. Cool. Tabletop games industry consolidating. This is what we've seen for years and years.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can understand companies wanting to eliminate as many problems as they can from the supply chain and given all the current issues. Speaking of which, uh, there was an article on ICV2 where we get some of our news articles from saying that China's obviously continuing to see a series of lockdowns at the moment. And those are growing concerns that this will see shipping delays into the summer and beyond into the fall, which is, of course, the prime shipping period for a lot of the games you'll see on your shelves over Christmas. So please be kind with companies that are continuing to have a horrible time negotiating the current global shipping problems. Ian, this
0: is Board Game Industry. People will be horrible no matter what, I'm afraid. I hope our listeners will be nice people. I'm sure you are. you listen to this podcast. Maybe you are very, very lovely indeed. I'm sure you are. Hello. But seriously, if you, thought, if you think about giving a company a hard time, don't. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they've, you know, really messed things up. I mean, I'm talking
1: really. A dinged box. Don't give them a hard time over a dinged box. I saw a really interesting thing recently from someone that was... Some companies basically have a policy to not replace if it's just a dinged box, as long as the internal components are okay. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Shipping thousands of cardboard boxes worldwide... Some are going to get a little bashed. We're in
0: the middle of a climate crisis here.
1: Yeah. Stop asking companies to fit ship be out of box so you can have an absolutely pristine box on your shelves. Monopoly has been optioned for a film. Battleship was a film. Don't, don't watch it. Seriously, don't watch that film. <laughs> Let's drop some lead. Ugh. But now the franchise you've all been waiting for is coming to the small screen. Yes, it's time for a combustible cat to entertain you on Netflix as Exploding Kittens comes to the streaming service. In a unique deal between The Oatmeal, creators of Exploding Kittens, and Netflix, a version of the card game will be coming to the streaming service in May, because you can now play some games on Netflix, with plans for an animated series to premiere in 2023. The animated series has this pitch. The eternal conflict between heaven and hell reaches epic proportions when both God and the devil are sent to Earth in the bodies of chunky house cats. Matthew Inman, Exploding Kittens chief creative officer and creator of The Oatmeal, said... Netflix is the only service that could bring Exploding Kittens to life in both a series and a game. We actually launched Exploding Kittens on Kickstarter as a weekend project, but our community has been the heart and soul of the company over the past six years. The new series and game will give our fans new ways to connect and interact with the franchise. I I did see a rumour that Tom Ellis of Lucifer's fame was attached to this product.
0: As is Lucy Liu and Mark Proksh, uh, if you've ever watched what we do in the shadows the tv show colin robinson
1: oh what we do in the shadows tv series just go watch that it's so good and also so wellington good. paranormal oh wellington paranormal is so good so good right ian i've got a
0: question for you don't look at the don't look at the screen okay what do starbucks raven software amazon and kickstarter all have in common
1: they're all terrible
0: interesting I thought you were going to say they're all named after characters in Herman Melville's Moby Dick, in which I would have gone, that's quite a good guess there, but uh, unfortunately not. No, it's they've all seen recent efforts by their workers to (laughs) unionize. Now, Magic the Gathering, from King of Tokyo designer Richard Garfield, is a, a popular game, apparently. And the secondary reselling market is, well, calling it huge is an understatement. One of the biggest companies involved in this secondary market is Card Kingdom, a Seattle, Washington in the US, based outfit whose employees published an open letter on April the twenty first seeking to unionize, opening with We are formally inviting you to the bargaining table. You Strong. being we you being Card Kingdom bosses. Yeah. Calling themselves Card Kingdom Union, they say, We acknowledge the hurdles faced in recent years. However, the notion that our wages and your ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan, contributions are stunted due to the pandemic is blatantly false. Our revenue hit a new peak during the past two years. Our wages, benefits, and ESOP contributions do not reflect this. Management openly admits that our current system is broken, and yet there are no offers for solutions. In their open letter, they have a list of demands, including a living wage and a commitment to future wage increases, ability to take unpaid leave, and a policy re-examination and overhaul. Speaking to Wargamer magazine, John Morris, the co-founder and owner of Card Kingdom, said, Efforts to unionize and any company responses to such efforts are complex and bound by federal laws and regulations. These conversations take time and require complete information and understanding. Now, notably... That is neither a condemnation nor is it a backing of the move to unionize. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to speak for Ian. I hope he's okay with this solidarity to Car Kingdom Union. Hope you get recognised and are able to get round the table.
1: Yeah, it's great to see more unions in the states. I mean, we saw a major Amazon warehouse recently unionise, and Sean abs- O'Brien. Yeah, absolutely, and that guy is. Going out there and trying to get other warehouses in in America to unionize. It's needed. To, I mean, working conditions in the UK are sometimes not great, but in the United States, it is. Why aren't people rioting in the streets, seriously? Like it or low, that Internet Cardboard Database Board Game Geek is a major part of the hobby. Alongside their listings and somewhat helpful forums, they have the Golden Geek Awards every year. Voted on by the users of Board Game Geek, the 16th Golden Geek Award nominees have now been announced in 15 categories. We're not going to go through every single one because there's a lot of nominees, but notable mentions as far as the Brainwaves team is concerned are Rift Force in the best two-player games from One More Time Games and Capstone Games.
0: A.K.A. Chapter 2, Ian and I's favourite game of UK Games Expo 2019. It is possibly the most hip, most achingly hip we've ever been because we really liked a game before it had
1: come out. But... This nomination at least shows we were right on that one. It is. See? You know what? Rift Force we, we, is great. We liked, it. we liked it before it was cool. Yo,
0: one more time, Games and Capstone Games. See if you listen to this.
1: We love Rift Force. It's great. I will I will do a proper full review at some point when I've got a few more plays in. <sighs> later you. Games. I know. Later Games Oath is in there as well, which is a game I definitely want to play more. It, it's very ambitious, whether it's ambitious failure or success. I am yet to decide. I think I've never really
0: played it Apart from one time of playing it at yours, which was an early prototype, uh, I've only played it on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. I think I'm bouncing off it on Tabletop Simulator. It may change if I ever play it on the actual table. We'll see.
1: Yeah. And the wonderful Bez is a game, about, a game about wee whimsical creatures and trying to identify them after someone makes noises. That is the full title of the game. Nominated for Best Party Game. Well done, Bez nice one there's a, yeah, indeed there's a best podcast category and sadly neither us or our good friends at tabletop games blog were nominated this year however the wonderful five games for doomsday which both jamie and i are fans of is in the running so please do go and give ben a vote voting yeah, yeah. closes at midnight central standard time on may the 1st so actually the voting will close by the time this cast goes out and the winners will no doubt be announced in the following week or so in a change to last time, we have actually played and indeed owned some of the games in this list. So, you know, that's nice. You you like you like Oath? I do like Oath. Well, you you've I think Oath. I like Oath. You've played Oath. I've played Oath, Oath oh. and I think yeah. I like Oath. I Sorry, haven't played yes. it enough to actually critically say that. Importantly, I,
0: we did write down, because I, I wrote this article, you can probably guess by the amount of really stupid words in it, uh, that we have played and indeed owned. That is not necessarily that we like the game. No, that's not true. Because in the two-player category, there is Lawyer Up by Rock Manor, which I have, and I've played one game and thought it was quite
1: good and there is red flag over paris by gmt which i've just bought we'll definitely be getting any games they at some point in the not too distant future and we'll try and get some of those to the table never mind
0: talking about you know what we own and and play and maybe like you know who we do like
1: our patreons patrons we do love our patrons thank you so much for continuing to support the cast it really allows us to uh, fund at the website and the podcast without shelling out too much of our own money especially to our executive producers James Naylor from Naylor Games, uh, part of find the Magnate game that we will review at some point in the future once i've got it to the table and sean newman from the game a lot team will link to all of james and sean's bits and pieces in the show notes and you can join them on our patreon i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well just a little reminder that we will be at tabletop scotland on the 27th and 28th of august tickets are still available for that so please do go and check that out they're announcing exhibitors left right and center at the moment Uh, There's going to be big open play areas, playtest zones, all sorts going on. It's looking really good, and we're really, really looking forward to it. Much, 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 much further away, uh, geographically speaking, is Kiwi RPG Week, but it will be happening mostly online from May the 1st to May the 8th. There's going to be live streams, actual play sessions, and some live events. All the information's on their website. There's loads of information there about what's happening. They're celebrating this sort of local RPG design space in Aotearoa. Oh, I Aotearoa. So it really sounds like there's a big, thriving, growing scene down there. So yeah, please go and check out what's going on there. And hello to Morgan Davey, who's involved in that, who I know from his time up in Edinburgh. One note uh, I will say is from the Kiwi RPG,
0: there is one being released called Paranormal Wellington, which I wonder what that's uh, referencing. Couldn't That tell we you. may have talked about earlier in the podcast. And again, this is your regularly reminded Regular reminder, regularly scheduled reminder to watch that and the Cluedo film.
1: And what we do in the Shadows TV series. And what we do in the Shadows TV series.
0: Mm -hmm. No Monopoly news this week, I'm afraid. As I've said, Monopoly news is going to go hand in hand with interesting projects. And this one kind of caught my eye because it's got a, a very Scottish... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A very Scottish tinge to it. The Lewis chessmen, possibly the most famous board game pieces ever found in Britain. They are the inspiration and basis for a new game coming to crowdfunding later this year called Bretwalda from Phalanx, publishers of submarine simulator U-Boat and Ankh-Morpork Victorian rehash Nanty-Narking. The game will be set in the Middle Ages in England, and have players fighting over England's Seven Kingdoms, balancing religion, armies, and uh, Norse invaders. Now, what's that got to do with the Lewis Chessmen? The Lewis Chessmen are pretty much taking the place of pawns. Now, the Lewis Chessmen were carved from walrus ivory sometime in the 12th century. It's assumed maybe in Norway... And they were found on Lewis in the early 19th century and most of the pieces that were, have been found currently reside in the British Museum or some in the National Museum of Scotland. Now the artwork for the game is also drawing inspiration from the Book of Kells, which is an illustrated manuscript from the 9th century of the four Gospels of the New Testament and it is utterly gorgeous another film side note here i know this is turning into film waves sorry uh film waves fans i'm kind of intruding on here i know we'll get back to the other chat later but the film uh the book of kells is a great one and i would highly recommend it uh, because it is absolutely gorgeous it's from 2009 oh it's not the book of kells sorry it is the secret of kells it's part of tom moore's irish folklore trilogy Uh, which includes song of the sea and wolf walkers and i would also say they are both utterly utterly gorgeous and watch them
1: thanks very much for listening if you like what you've listened to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on itunes or your podcast app of choice you can also follow us on twitter instagram and facebook Uh, you can come and join us and chat to us in our discord where we have regular game nights the month the tuesday after the cast goes out Uh, our website is giantbrain.co.uk and our email address is giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Do get in touch and let us know if there's anything you'd like to feature in the show or any comments you have on any of the articles we have covered. Thank you so much bye bye for now. Bye bye.